0: Friends, to session two. My name's Kurt Peters. Um, I'm one of the directors of Biblical Counseling Australia. It's a pleasure to be with you today. It was a pleasure to be. I can't get it any closer. I don't think. I Have to put the thing in my mouth. Uh, it was a pleasure to be in uh, Sydney, uh, Melbourne. Even greater pleasure to be in Brisbane. Um, I am from Sydney, uh, but I. But I just I just purchased a property in Brisbane. Okay. Because I could not afford to live in Sydney. <laughs> so anyway, I'll be, I'll be, I'll after ministry, I'll be repi- retiring in Strathpine, just 20k's up the road. So anyway, as we were preparing these uh, for these workshops, the idea of walking side by side, of of being needed and being needy, God always gives you opportunities to experience that the week off. And so um, uh, during the week, last Monday, in fact um no, no two mondays ago i was leading bible study and i must have looked just haggard because i was organizing these events and i just must have look tired and discouraged and so i got this text message um from someone in my bible study i uh, just wanted to know that i've been praying for you you look worn out and discouraged <laughs> so i responded uh thanks sister i'm organizing three events next week with 550 people coming along in three states i'm feeling tired before they've even begun just been walking, asking the Lord for his strength. And then listen to this. Well, if the prayers of saints availeth much, I better put in double duty to make up. And so to which I replied, a pastoral, huh? Uh, and then she, I, I really know this stuff well, very pastoral. And then she replied, he will provide strength and peace, living water and still waters both. Um, and what a blessing that is, you know. I... Um, I might have a problem with letting people handle my luggage, uh, <laughs> but I am happy to have someone pray for me like that. And so um, we are moving on in this session to not only talk about the fact that we are needy, uh, but we are needed. Um, we all need people like the girl in my Bible study to be praying for us, to be, to be encouraging us with the Word of God. So why don't I pray, and then I'm going to ask Ed to speak to us again. Uh, Father, we, we know that we are needy. Um, but we also know uh, that we are needed and so we ask now that you'd give us your vision for how we can be used to help others that we have a passion for your son jesus and that we'd have a passion for his people and we pray in christ's name
1: amen Well, off we go, armed with our own neediness and humility, we, we serve other people and grow in these wise conversations and somehow the Spirit of God builds up His church. But it, it, actually, it's, it's not that simple because if, if you're going through the Scripture again on this, you, when you go to the Old Testament, it, uh, it doesn't seem to authorize our care for each other. It, it's like you've got to be a prophet who does that. Uh, maybe a priest every once in a while when he's not, he or she's not, or he is not busy doing sacrifices. It ministry seemed to be a professional vocation in those days. If you had problems, you went to the professional because nobody else was anointed. So, kind of, why bother talking to somebody who's just like yourself? But, but everything changes when the new covenant comes in. And when the king, when, when the king ascends, and instead of us and the nations bringing gifts to the king, he gives himself to his people, <laughs> I would have thought he gives his spirit to us, and then everything changes so so now, with hum- humility wrought by the spirit and the anointing of the spirit that is on all of us, men, women, and children, now off we go and and for this particular time, I'd like to consider what is that chip? What, is that, what are the essentials for every single follower of Jesus to be able to know one another and to be able to, to pray with one another? The, the, the essence of all interpersonal ministry it starts this way. There are two ways we can do ministry. One is we, we set up a booth. And we say I'm available. Anybody needs help, then here I come, come to me. And and you can do that, it's just nobody's gonna come. And the the there's a better way, of course. And the better way is is you are you are a person who has been pursued by the holy God. That's that's so fundamental to your very identity. And and, and here we see in Genesis uh, the, the appearance of the story is the, the God says, you are out and I'm staying here within this tabernacle of Eden. And, but the reality is that he, the people leave and he leaves right along with them and, and he pursues his people. The, the, the classic story would be the story of Hosea the, and, 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 there's wonderful few verses in Hosea where, 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 where Gomer is off, we are off doing our whoring and, and it says she never quite knew that Hosea was the one who was caring for her physical needs day in and day out. Who would have thought? We have a God who has pursued us and, and as a result, we can't help when that becomes part of our own story, we can't help but move toward other people. So, so, so it is, to be able to know someone, you have to be able to have a conversation. And to have a conversation, we have the privilege of being able to take the initiative toward another. And, and, and by the way, you see how scripture works. Scripture could say, go and move toward other people and get to know them. Or it can say, in which case sometimes we do it and sometimes we wouldn't. Or it can say, sit back, relax, and understand and know how you have been pursued from the very beginning of time. And it continues to this present moment. Now, act on that. And it's, it's, it's compelling, isn't it, to, to, to begin to move toward others in the name of Jesus. Imagine a church. Imagine a, a community of Christ where, where people are pursuing one another. And, and they're not just pursuing friends. We are, we are, we're sort of scanning our community. Who are the people who are new? Who are the, sort of the aliens and the foreigners, to use the Old Testament expression? Who are the people who seem downcast? Who are the people who seem alone? Who are the people who aren't engaged with others? They're the ones that we're pursuing. We can talk to our friends another time. So, so here's another place, if, if you're like me, I could, I could stop here and I have enough to keep me going for the next 20 years. <laughs> what would it mean to be not simply a passive recipient when we gather together as a larger body, but what does it mean to be energized and active and, and, and moving toward during before and in, in in the midst of a service, and, and and certainly after a service, and during small groups and and texts and emails during the week, what would it mean for us to be a, a community that persistently move toward another? Isn't isn't this one of the things that is our grandest apologetic? A, a people that that move toward other others in unity, and and the, in that the the world sees something very different than it ever expected. So, start thinking about faces. Who, who are you going to move toward? Okay. And now off you go. You're moving toward, and here's the person. So far, so good. Let's say you don't know this person, but you perhaps, maybe they've been to the church before, you don't know. So far, so good. The, the, there is a bit of a script, it seems, you see, you have a God who knows your name, and the, and knowing somebody's name, there's something, there's something. You're not just you're not just a face in this broader humanity. You are a particular person who is known particularly, and as a result, you ask a person. You introduce yourself with a name, and you you ask their name. So far, so good. Now what? Well, it depends on how good the person is in conversation. Uh, but it, it, could, it could sort of fall flat at that particular point, in which case you say, oh, well, sorry to bother you. I'll see you uh, maybe, hopefully. And, uh, uh, I, I guess uh, the script sort of dies at this point, but, like, uh, I don't know. What, what do you do? Um, where are you from? Are you... Reborn born in Queensland? Where do you live? Sort of the circumstances of life. But, but um, there's only so many questions you can ask. So, so here's, here's, here's the question, I think, that, that we need to pose to Scripture as we're moving toward another person. Who is that person that I'm speaking to? <laughs> scripture, would you, would, you, would you put them in bold relief? Would you, would you allow me to see more deeply so in, in such a way that what I see, it animates the very words. It, 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 it guides our conversations. So, so what you have in front of you, and for those of you who, who were with me last week, I realize this is a review, but this is a review for me too. And it's, it's a great review, and, and, and it's further in and further in. There's, 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 there's new applications for it all the time. So who is that person? What you see in front of you in, 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 your, uh, in your pamphlets is is one way of gathering together lots of different kinds of theology from scripture, who are we? If you look at the very center there's a there 's the the, the, the the closest concentric circle, and there 's a heart. who are you you 're this embodied soul and in, in the center sometimes the, the, we, we can call it the soul, sometimes the spirit oftentimes. In in the Old Testament and New Testament it's translated as heart. So, so I'll I'll, I'll use that particular word. Even again, even though we've been been talking about pastoral care for our very souls, it's the same thing. Surrounding us are all the circumstances of life. The, of course, the the grandest circumstance is that in Him we live and move and have our being. We have, we've had our eyes open to know that we live in God's world. I guess we could stop there and ask the question, what difference does it make? How does that inform your conversation? The person you're talking to, they live in this environment where, where God himself is king. Oh, and then, then you look at another concentric circle that we can't see with the naked eye, but, but scripture has, is, 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 is God through Scripture has graciously opened our eyes to see these things. I know something about you. I know that you live in a world that is not necessarily very safe. In, in, in Australia and in the United States, we have peculiarly safe environments, even though you probably think that everybody in the United States is packing a pistol <laughs> and, and ready to shoot their neighbor as soon as any you know, crossword is said, which is not exactly true. Um, uh, it's, the United States is safe relative to the Middle East, <laughs> I say. Um, So we live in a relatively safe environment, and we can be fooled into thinking that's actually the case. But, but there's this sort of stalking lion who, this opportunist always looking for ways to, to, to win us over. That's part of our, the circumstances of our life all the time. We can pause there and say, and what difference does it make? And what, the person you're speaking to, they... They live in a world that is the, the battle has been engaged and and the, the the lies of the evil one they they come day after day. What else do you know about that person there are there are indeed other other features to their environment there 's where they grew up there 's the family that they grew up in there it 's their work it 's their relationship it 's their uh, it's their ethnic backgrounds. All these different things are part of our environment. And there's more. And there's more. And here's where we're going to, to, to move further in. Oh, by the way, another part of our environment is our physical body. And and, 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 and this, this little x-ray, is, is, is we're, we're setting it up to, to, to identify that as we go further in, it, it's a little bit harder to talk about, a little bit harder to see. How are you? what's happening well i feel a little bit sick that's in some ways that's the circumstances we're saying there's something in life that is hard we're a little bit more open to to share such things so here's this person speaking to you that 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 helps us they live in god's world it's a it's a world that that is that is under some kind of siege there are all these different circumstances in life, including their physical body, which is, which is offering certain blessings, but uh, but also offering certain curses to the person. Okay, now let's. Let me, let me, I'll do this personally. Let me introduce myself. I my name is Ed. I grew up in the Philadelphia area, which is on the east coast of the United States. Married Sherry, have. Two daughters, have seven grandchildren with one on the way, work at a place called CCF. Hmm. Boring, I think, a little bit, isn't it? it, it I, I've given you some of the circumstances of my life, which, you know, that, that's, that's good, but it leads us wanting to say at that desk, well, tell me more. Notice this. My name's Ed, I grew up on the Eastern part of the United States, and every once in a while, I pine away for my wife's homeland, which is California, because uh, California well, if you ever go to California, it will remind you of Queensland. Uh, it's just this wonderful, beautiful place. Uh, now what do you, you, see, you feel like you know a little bit more about me. You know that I'm a complainer, uh, and I complain <laughs> about, I can complain about the East Coast and the humidity on the East Coast and the snow, and the older I get, the less I want to shovel snow. Uh, but you also, you also, hey, he's, you know, sort of a, a sunny sort of coastal beach environment. It's yeah, I, you know, there, there's something about that feature of creation that, that I that I certainly deeply appreciate. And I've been married to Sherry. Sherry, that's you know, she's. I won't, I won't tell you old she's, but but I, you know, it's it's irrelevant. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I really like Sherry. I really like her, and and it's there's there's you know there's there's just a little bit more all the time that I have opportunities to see. For example, over the last decade, one of the things I've seen is that, that she is a consummate servant. She is she's she's so, so busy doing so many things for so many people, and I have never heard her complain once about being you know, being too tired to do it. Uh, it uh, I've never heard her complain once. To live with that is, is quite extraordinary. You, you, see, you see what's happening? Somehow, somehow I'm bringing you farther in. You, you, you should have a sense that you know, perhaps you know me just a little bit better. And, and, and so I have these, so something like this. You could say, oh, you got, you got seven grandkids. And you, you have some sense that our relationships are important. And you say, well, tell me about your grandkids. And I said, funny you should ask. These are like the coolest kids ever in the universe. <laughs> you know, they're, they, they, can, they can be nasty, horribly sinful rascals. But even as wretched sinners, they are the cutest little things absolutely ever. And then I'm, I would bore you with, with some stories. But, but interesting. If, if, if I would bore you with some stories about my grandchildren... And you would see my enthusiasm and affection for them. You probably wouldn't be that bored. And the reason you wouldn't be that bored is, is, is you're, you're sort of moving in toward the farther reaches of the human heart. So, so that's our question. What, here you are talking to another person. What is the x-ray of, of who they are? What is this thing called the human heart which seems to be so important in scripture? Human heart is identified this way, and you see this in your notes in front of you. There is a certain depth to you. There is, there is, there is more to you than the accumulation of the circumstances of your life. The, the scripture identifies it with a few different pictures. One is, I, I can see the tree of your life. I can see the behaviors of your life, but there's even more to it than that. There's this, there's this incredibly elaborate root system. And then the root system is heading toward, toward actually life itself or, or this parched desert. That would be, that would be one picture that, that Scripture gives. Another, the book of Proverbs, it, a person's heart is like deep waters. It's like this well. <laughs> it's, it's farther down than you realize. And part of the, the privilege of humanity is to invite some of those depths to the surface there's more to you than meets the eye that's what scripture is offering here's here's the next part of the way in the heart seems to be seems to be created around our loves what is it what's important to you what are the things that are joyful joyful what are the things that are just the greatest thing in the world, and what are the things that are hardest for you that 's that 's in a sense the the natural first way into the heart now the, the question we could have is, and where do we get that from the scripture in, in a sense i 'm saying your emotions are the first way into the heart. What are your emotions the the joys, the excitement, the enthusiasm the the fears the the hardness, the, the weight, the, the sense of blackness uh, of soul. Is, is, are, are we simply being Westerners and saying emotions are important? Well, now the, uh, the, let's, let's go into the Psalms for a moment. And the Psalms can be understood in all kinds of different ways. One way the Psalms should be understood is that the Lord is teaching us how to live at his dinner table. He's showing this in a sense, this is the culture of the kingdom of heaven. And this is how you talk to me. And the way we talk to our God, there, it, it affects the way we speak to other people. And here's what our God says to you. He says, speak to me from your heart. And what does he mean by that? I have a friend who, it's just, it was a it was this turning point moment in our relationship, as you can imagine. I was walking to church, and he was was walking by me, and he uh, he said, how are you? How are you? And if you mumble, how are you, it just means hi. And sort of leave me alone. I'm doing other stuff. Uh, And and I thought that's what he was saying. Hi, how are you? Uh, And and, and then he said, no, how are you? There are a lot of people in the world who are never asked that question, ever. Ever. How are you? It, it's, here's, a, here's a friend who, who wants to go deeper into the human heart. And it starts with a simple question. How are you? And, and then you say, huh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Because you, you can't imagine somebody would really be that interested. And then he sits you down and he says, No, I want to hear, hear the very best thing from your week. And I want to hear the hardest thing from your week. But by, by the way, it's, it's something very simple. It's, it's, this is the way into the human heart. But do you, do you see some of the implications of this? Here's a person. I say, what? I've I, I just been the recipient of unusual love. And, 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 and here's what's going to happen. The next time I, I have a, an acute sense of the struggles of my own soul and I want to keep it to myself, I'm saying, I think I can trust Ken. He, he actually cares about the things of my heart. I think I'm going to call him and ask him for prayer. Do you see the way these things unfold in the body of Christ? It begins typically with "How are you?" Essentially, we're saying "How," excuse me, "How are you feeling?" And we're saying this because God Himself has spoken it first to you. He brings you to the dinner table, and you can't imagine that the, the, the that your King would ask you a question about you so you you think he's he's looking actually past you to somebody else you can't imagine that and he comes back again no how are you speak to me from your heart and and, and then we can we, we can interpret the psalms in one way like this oh you don't even know what to say we we were we, we were talking we were talking to some people during the break and and and, and there was a mother who said that her, her son was crying one day, and he didn't know why. He didn't have any words. <laughs> Sometimes in our hardships, we don't have words. And so so it's as if the Lord to us in the Psalms is saying, is it like this? Is it like this? Is it like this? You see, he, he knows our souls, and he actually gives us words to help us. Uh, but... But here's the critical thing. It's curious, isn't it? He knows us. He, the, the Spirit of God knows our very spirit. He knows us better than we know ourselves. But somehow, in the midst of this economy of the kingdom of heaven, he continues to invite us to put it into speech before him. Okay, just be, okay. everybody knows everybody else, so you don't have to say a word. There's that implicit knowledge. That's not the culture in which we live. No. How are you? you see, throughout you know th- throughout our day so far, it, it's, we could stop at any one place and say, "This is enough for the rest of my life." <laughs> to first of all, be stunned that the Holy God comes and says, "How are you?" And speak to me from your heart, and and then to be to be going off and and asking, "How are you?" A for example I, a person from our church who who has been hard to understand, hard to know, and I think he actually comes with his wife he uh, don 't have real clear evidence that he follows Jesus. How are you? I know his name. I know some of the circumstances of his life. Hey, how are you? how are you doing wow i 'm going on a fishing trip and we 're going out to california and See his face was sort of lighting up and I'm going with my son probably what you're going to do at that point you want to go farther in and so tell me more that's all Just, you know, see, we're, we're looking for a way of caring for one another that doesn't demand great expertise and, and all kinds of interpersonal insight we want it to be available to a child even though there's a sophistication to it that. That the Lord uses, and it will take us the rest of our lives to fully understand. Tell me more. Tell me more. You like fishing. Tell me about fishing. What do you like about fishing? And and he he talks about how he has a has a has a, has a busy life with a with a with a job that has a great deal of responsibility and pressures. And oh, you see, just got in a little further. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I knew his job, but now I know what his job is like for him. He loves his job, but it is, it is a very difficult job. And and fishing is it's like a kind of Sabbath for him. Tell me about your son. And he goes on and and, and, and identifies the son he hasn't seen for 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 probably six months or so. And he just loves his son. And you see now, Ah, great, great. Now, no, notice this is just—we're just—we're just beginning to enter in. But but notice, notice how this unfolds. The the next time I see him, what am I going to do? I'm not going to say oh, hi. How are you doing? Good, great. Everybody, every. It, it's how's your son? It's tell me about that fishing trip. Did you come back rested? You, you see, it's it's like it's like we're we're, we're we're farther in and we go right to that point and, and perhaps there's a, a way that's even farther in yet who is the person you're speaking to there it's a the heart is about our affections the things that are especially important to us the things that we love the things that we loathe and and isn't it true that when you receive that from another person there's there's a kind of the relationship changes and and, and perhaps we can put it this way what we're aiming for at this point humility and love aims to put the person on our hearts we want to respond to such things when when, when you hear the good you want to keep it on your heart and rejoice in the good so here's a person who is speaking about the good he's going to be fishing and he's going to be fishing with his son ah I have, I I have him on my heart in a different way. And when somebody's on your heart, you can't help but follow up and say, Tell me about your time with your son. Which is very ordinary, but nobody has ever asked him about his affection with his son. And he knows that something different, something deeper is happening in this relationship and that's where the story is at this point. We've we've been over we've been invited over their their house for a meal. And, and now I guess the question is is there any farther in <laughs> uh, there actually is but to hear someone's joys and to, and to have them on our heart in, in such a way that we, we are moved and we follow up with it that's what happens when something is on your heart I came home one day and Shuri was on the phone, and she was obviously very moved by the person she was speaking with. And I had no idea who the person was, but I knew whoever that person was, Shuri was in. She wasn't in just hearing the demographics, the resume, the circumstances of life. She was into that person's life in a unique way. And, and, and then she, it was a person from church, and... And from that moment on, Sherry Sh- 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 was obviously moved by something that was hard. Oh, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, oh, that that is so hard. I am so sorry. Is there, is there, What can I do to help? It was basically it was were those simple responses. But, but it's one thing to hear hard things in another person's life. It's another thing to be moved by them. the The word personal shows up in your outline and. I can remember an when I, when I, when, the early theology textbook I read. It, it was talking about the personal God. Our God is personal. And, and, uh, and it was Machen. It, it, was, uh, it, it was Machen's book on who was man. Uh, I'm talking to Gary. Where Gary and I were talking about how Machen had a formative influence early on in our lives. Who is God? He's personal. And we, as a result, are personal. But my question was, what does that mean? What does it mean that God is personal? Yeah. Well, a few years later, I encountered a quote from a, uh, from a Dutch theologian. And it went something like this. To, to be a Christian is to follow God in obedience, but it's more than that. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, what more is there? He said to be a Christian is to live in dependence on a person, but there's more than that. And he went on and said, to be a Christian is to, is to be in this relationship, there's these spiritual beings where there's a certain kinship. This, these, this is like your kind. These are your people where, where you speak. And the other person is affected by what you say. They're moved by what you say. They're a little bit different because of what you said. And they speak back to you. And and you, in turn, are affected, are moved by the things. They say, back and forth, back and forth. That's what it means to live before the personal God who doesn't simply offer edicts to his people. He speaks to us. And then he says, now you speak to me. (laughs) I I want to continue to have you on my heart. And we speak to him. Our joys, our troubles... And there's more. There's a depth to the human heart. As we go further in, the scripture says something like this. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure of his heart produces evil. It's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. The, The moral direction of our life is established by our heart. We don't always see that first. The, typically, in our relationships, the first thing is, how are you? How are you? What's What's been good? What's been hard? What's been important to you? The, but as we walk along with someone and bear them on our heart a little bit more, perhaps we're able to go farther in. For example, a, a man in our church who's was trying to engage in, and grow, and it's hard for him, it's just, he's, he, he feels very awkward around people. I talked to him one time, and I can't remember the question, but but we live in suburban Philadelphia, and it's more of an urban area, and he was talking about the, the area where he grew up, and it was it was this wonderfully rural area, and you could see him just sort of you just sort of drift away, thinking about those times and those places and the fields and the woods. What was it? It was. It was. It was different than saying, "Yeah, I grew up in in, in rural Pennsylvania." It was, yeah, I grew up in rural Pennsylvania. I loved it. I just loved it. And what do you do with that? You just. I don't know. You just savor it. You don't necessarily have to do anything with it. But, but then you go farther in. And you say well, what are you doing living in the worst part of Philadelphia where people actually do carry guns and they shouldn't? What do you do? What are you doing living in an area of Philadelphia where where every day when you come out your house, you're going to find a new supply of used drug needles? What are you doing living there? And, And he simply says, I... My wife and I simply believe that this is where God has us right now. this is where God has called us. This is where there are special needs. Now, what do you see you see you 've just been brought farther in' it 's his passions but but now you see passions that direct the moral course of his life and 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 and, and all of a sudden you you see a certain beauty in this person. He looked like a regular old person a minute before. But now you see a certain reflected beauty where you know his loves and and, and and against his natural tendencies. He lives in one of the hardest sections of Philadelphia. We had a pastor, Sherry and I, found so many things helpful. And this is one of the things he would say. Do you want to see the work of the Spirit, do you, want to, do you want to sort of measure the work of the Spirit in your life or in somebody else's life? And he would say, what would you do normally? Just what would you do normally? Well What would he would do normally is he would be living in rural Pennsylvania with neighbors very, very far away because he's just a, a socially awkward person. What do you do because of Christ? And, and that gap, that's the work of the Spirit. And, and we just had an opportunity to see this huge realm of the work of the spirit in in this person 's life, I get to know my wife um, and initially, when I got to know her, it was really quite superficial. You know, she was a Christian, and I thought she was a babe you know, that's uh, sort of a, she's embodied, um, and she 's you embodied know, so um, and uh, and so that's good enough for me. I'll marry her. Uh, and, but then, then you move farther in. You see the things that are on her heart. And then what I just mentioned a second ago. You, 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 you go farther in and you see what animates the moral direction of her life. And you see her delight in serving other people. And you say, you are gorgeous. You are just absolutely gorgeous. The, the, re, the reflected beauty of Christ in you is, is inspiring to be able to see. I'll probably share this man with you a little bit later because he's been on my heart. A man who wants to keep you at bay. In other words, he's like a regular old guy uh you know just hear the circumstances of life and leave me alone and and i was able to sort of move into his heart for various reasons and and um as 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 became a little bit more involved in his life i saw some things that were really really ugly for example here's just a tip of it you know, talk to him after church. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I guess I'm all doing all right. But my wife is driving me crazy. Blah, blah, blah. She's always talking. Blah, blah, blah. And I realize that if she's... If she, I got to do that if she's going to listen to me. And so I sit there. Blah, blah, blah. It's... it's what's, he, what's he saying? Something's hard. But he's not just saying something's hard he's, he's pointing the moral course of his life and he's saying that my relationship with my wife it's all about me it's about my desires and I am sick of all this blood and I I, I, I know his wife and, and the things she speaks are really fine fine things you've just been brought in to the deeper places of his soul I guess my question is what you're going to say I guess that's sort of a rhetorical question, but I'll tell you my answer. I have no idea what to say. I have absolutely no idea what to say, uh, other than, would you shut up? It's stupid, I, uh, which, which probably would be an off day for humility at, uh, at that point. Uh, but, but, he, but, he, but here's the nature of humility. Here's a person saying blah, blah, blah about his wife, and he, he, it, like the worst time of his life when he comes home from work, and she talks, and he's got to listen to her. He's got to act like he's interested. Really, you want to slap them silly, but what do you do? You, you say, oh, I didn't know what to say. I, I literally did not know what to say. But I did know this. I've just gone farther in. I've just gone farther in. And I don't know if it was intentional or inadvertent. But I've just gone farther. Do you, you, you feel the depth to it? Places that are that tend to be a little bit more hidden, that don't tend to be revealed. And, 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 and in that sense, there's a certain thankfulness. That God himself has allowed us to, to go that much further in. And I don't have a clue what to do at that particular time. Not a clue. And, and he, here's what wisdom and humility does. If you don't have a clue what to do at that particular time, you don't do anything. And, uh, but phew, talk about somebody who gets etched on your soul. <laughs> a week later when you see him at church, which is the next time you see him, you say, boy, I've been thinking about you been thinking about how there are the tensions in your relationship are profound and how can i pray for you how can i pray for you as a result see what am i doing i'm doing something that is it's it's it doesn't take any particular insight it, it doesn't it doesn't take this you know, dramatic awareness of the human heart it's it's just mere humility knowing the person and what does god say He's, I, I've, I've been able to move into his life just a little bit more and, and humility says, it's a partnership. How can I pray for you? And the first thing he does is he rolls his eyes because you see, anger doesn't want to be prayed for. It, 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 it just wants what it wants and, and, and perhaps he just rolls his eyes and what do you do? Yeah. Right. And perhaps you think of ways to pray for him. So the question would be, how might, you, how might you pray for him given what he said? This is pretty natural. It's one of the resounding themes in the New Testament that, that the spirit does the anti-babble. Instead of people being dispersed, they're brought together, Jews and Gentiles, people who are, like, who are completely different from one another. And so... That he's still in your heart. And you begin to pray that Jew and Gentile would be brought together. And How are you doing? Yeah, third, third or fourth week later, how are you doing? I've been thinking about you. How can I pray for you? Because uh, here's, here's, here's what I've been thinking. I, I know, and by the, by the way, I, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching ahead here. I know that since you have the spirit of the living God, you want to do right and good in your relationship. I know that you're one who wants unity. This is what God has called you to, and what God has called you to is a really, really good thing. And and, and, and we're going to love it as we grow in it. I'm going to pray that the Lord brings Jew and Gentile together in your relationship. It's, it's, you see the this platform for ministry? All, all we're doing is we... We're at this person, and we say, hmm, I better, better, have, I, I, I better allow Scripture to, to define, show me the design of this person so I know what to say. And once we got the design, it's not like we need all a, a script behind us. All we've got to do is see that design. How are you? No, really, really, how, how are you? And, and, and by the way, a lot of us, they need, we need the third or fourth question. Because none of us can believe that somebody would actually care. How are you? How are you doing? Let's, tell me about the good things from your week. Tell me about your kids. What's 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 been good with your kids? What's been what's been hard with your kids? It's, it's it, that that's the kind of question that just sort of comes naturally. You you you've already gotten some of the circumstances of life. You want to go a little bit deeper and and um, imagine this someone who comes and confides in you that they're wrestling with pornography. You feel it? Somebody who does that to you, they have just taken you quite into the farther reaches of their heart. And when they do, wouldn't it be obvious to have as a response, thank you, (laughs) thank you. Who am I that you would would entrust? You know, Paul Tripp, one of my colleagues, talks about the these f- the farther reaches of the human heart, it's like this fine china. You don't just give it to anybody. And who am I that you would entrust these things to me? Thank you. And, 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 and can you see how, if, if humility reigns, can you see how the Lord knits us together in ways that would have been impossible before? Where he has just shared with me something very deep in his heart. And... And in that, frankly, he's invited me to respond in kind, uh, to speak about places where my desires have a tendency to, to run amok. You see, what, what we're looking for is, is, a, is a way of doing ministry that, that is very simple, but somehow the wheels of heaven are part of it, and his kingdom grows. For some people, could you imagine this? Could you imagine a husband saying to his spouse, tell me how you are truly. What are the things that are important to you? What are the things that have been hard for you? Now that, now, now that you see your spouse more accurately, it's an, it's an irresistible question. And, and I know if, if all the men at the church that I attend would ask their spouses that, there would be a lot of crying spouses because they've, they've never had anybody ask them such a thing. It's, it's, you see the simplicity of this, but you see the richness of it and how, who are we that we would be given opportunities to see the design of humanity, to know how to love wisely, to have conversations that go farther in and farther in. And of course, farthest in, what animates the human heart is the very depths of your soul is your knowledge of God. And, and, and even for a non-Christian, the very depths of their soul is the knowledge of God. Romans chapter 1, you know, we, we all have this echo of the knowledge of God, but some of us sort of push it away. But here's the curious thing, that, that you, all, you all, probably all have illustrations like this. A neighbor who, who was very hard to you or to Christ, and then the neighbor goes through something very difficult. And... And then you ask, could I pray for you? And, and, and your, your experience might be a little bit different than mine, but I've never ever had an experience where a non-Christian said, no, don't pray for me because I don't believe in Jesus. Leave me alone. I've never had anybody say that. It's, it's almost inevitably, well, thanks. Thanks. It's, what is it? It's the, it's the x-ray guiding us. Who, who are we? We're... At the very depths of our souls, it's a matter of allegiances. Do we, Are we with the true God or are, are we turned away from the true God? At the very depths of our soul is, is as we come to Christ, where the Spirit himself takes up residency within us, and makes us alive, changes the passions of our life. That's one of the reasons why people look so beautiful when you begin to see evidences of godliness because you are seeing this 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 glory of Christ, this this through with unveiled faces. Notice, notice. Let me tell you another quick story, and you'll see why it makes sense. Person who had been struggling with depression, years and years and years, going throughout our country trying to find some sort of magic treatment, and 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 our our area was one of the stops, and. And typically, she would have a counselor at each one of these stops, and I was I was the one nominated, and 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 I can remember laboring with her. Just everything that I knew to do, it, it, it was it was one it was as if the my words they, they never quite reached her ears, they always <laughs> just fall flat, and it was so frustrating week after week after week. And I can remember this one particular week, there was nothing I had to give, nothing. And so and by the way, she was paying to get together uh, which is, which is relevant to this story and I had no idea what to say and so I said, "Let me tell you what I read in the Bible this morning now in in our everyday relationships, that might not be too much an affront to somebody, but when somebody 's paying for you to, to say something that hopefully is helpful it 's very lame and and so I, so i just I just I, I, I just read my devotions and and I could tell that she was somehow, there was a bit of a spark of life within her. I didn't know if it was a spark of life that was going to kill me because here I am talking about scripture when she's struggling with this profound depression. But when I stopped, she said, why haven't you been doing this every time we've gotten together? <laughs> see how the question, see how that, her response makes sense? We don't always know it, but the deepest need of the human heart is is to know the one that we're called to worship. The the most profound prayer that you could ever pray for another person resides in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3 that we would know the expanse of the love of Christ. And as we do, our hearts are opened and he is now on our hearts. And, and we respond to him with thanksgiving, with praise. With worship, with humility, and, and seeking to love him back in our own small and inept ways. Now, this is very important. Is, is, what we're talking about is not, is not one picture of humanity, and then there are other pictures. In other words, we're not talking about, let me tell you who you are spiritually. Oh, and you're also other things. You're also you know, thinking person and all these other things. And this is like the, we're just, what we're doing right now is we're merely talking about this spiritual sector of your life. It's not the totality of your life, just the spiritual sector of your life. That's one way that we can intuitively design the x-ray, and we design that x-ray. That's not what we're doing here. This is, this is the totality of who we are. There are all kinds of flesh and bones and details that go into it. But, but there is nothing. You, you see, to, to know and be known, to, to love Christ, to follow him, to, to, to turn from our disobedience, that is profound in our soul. And it's all animated by this knowledge of God. Every human being, there is nothing that is deeper than that. Isn't that, a, isn't that great? It's just a simple x-ray. And, and, and you see, what we're aiming for is something very simple, but, but guides our conversations. It, it's that little chip that, 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 that is inserted into all our pastoral care for the rest of our lives. Knowing the person, how can I pray for you? Knowing the person, how can I pray for you? Let me, let me just give them one more story and, uh, and we'll stop. I'll, I'll, I'll just give a a, a a very ordinary story from a typical small group how are you i have a sick aunt okay. um, well how are you okay. you know how are you that it, it's y you' you're, you're, you care about the person's sick aunt but but it's it's this your understanding of the person is you want to know that person well how are you okay. and the person might talk about their own sickness okay. that's it's a little bit farther in, isn't it? It's a little bit farther in. And, and so we, we, what do we do? In, in the face of somebody talking about sickness, we pray for health. And then how are you? Okay. You've been, been thinking about you. I mean, I, 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 thank you for sharing just, just sort of the physical struggles you have. How are you? Yeah, I'm still struggling with those things. Well, how, how are you doing in the midst of that? Uh, you know, how can I pray for you in the midst of that? Because Because when... When, when when physical trials when they per, when they persist it we can't just hold our breath and get through it <laughs> how are you doing how can i pray for you and you see, you see what what i'm doing is 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 i know i'm knowing that person better but now i'm that second question how can we pray and and indeed james talks about praying for healing but but typically when we pray for healing scripture adds adds more second corinthians 4 would be an example of this second corinthians 4 says indeed the outer man wastes away but the inner person the human heart can be renewed day by day and perhaps you you, you see you, you, you see what you're doing you're you're going farther into scripture now you're going farther into the very heart of god and, and you're saying can i pray this for you that that indeed, in the midst of your hardness, the hardness of this, this physical disability, that that the Spirit of God would bring increasing life to your soul. That's all you pray. But 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 now notice notice how it goes. And and so you see, if somebody is on your heart, you, you, you're not just sort of this prayer consultant. You go to this person, you go to that person, you go to that person. If somebody's really on your heart, what, the next time you see them. You're going to say, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for your soul. How are you doing? I've been praying that the Spirit of God would encourage you in the midst of, of things that feel like physical decline. You see, it, it's, it, you have a questions farther in right away. And it just so happens that you weren't intending to do this but you've just blessed me if I'm the one with a physical disability. Because sometimes what physical pain can do is, is it makes our world very, very small. All we can do is we experience the pain. And in you praying for me, all of a sudden you remind me that I live in this three-dimensional world. And, and, and as you pray more specifically from the, the, from the very things that God calls us to know and to, and, and to have in him. When you pray those things, it just, it enlightens me. Oh, I've never prayed those things before. It. it it takes me into the farther reaches of the very plan of God, and and this is this is our foundation for for the most exquisite of help and personal care. And isn't it just like the the nature of God to take the riffraff? You have that expression in Australia. It's like the, just the the goofy folks, the you know the people who you know, just not that impressive in themselves. Isn't it like our God to take people who don't have this glamorous insight in ourselves um, and we just do simple things in humility and love, moving toward knowing something about the human heart, wanting to go farther in and farther in because it's such a great pleasure in this way we're called to go. And as we do, for some reason, for some reason the the kingdom of God is is left in a slightly different place. <laughs> The kingdom of God expands in some way. It, it is invited. It is it grown in our hearts and, and even in our community, who would have thought. Let me pray. Today, would you grant us the privilege of being able to have wise conversations that go just a little bit deeper into the heart of one that we love. In the name of Christ, amen.
0: Well, we're really excited that you have come along today. Um, But we're even more excited about what you might do as a consequence of today. Uh, We asked Ed out and we're excited about Ed coming out because we feel like he gives a vision for a church that gets alongside each other and walks wisely with each other and, and loves each other. And so during the day, we wanted to give moments for you to think through what it could look like. And one way we thought we could do that is through case studies. So if you go to page, I think it's page seven and eight, of the booklet, or maybe six and seven, two numbers next to each other, um, you'll see a case study there that Ed has written for about uh, for men and one for women. And so I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to talk to uh, another male, if you're a male, or another female, if you're a female, about the case study, uh, for the, say for the next five to ten minutes. And so we want you to discuss the question is after you read through the case study, how will you respond to your friend. And then after that, Ed's going to come up and, and share a little about how he, how, how he would see these people and respond. Friends. The, uh, the
1: these are These are two people from my church, and i just I just I just uh, wrote down a few things that have been from the last couple of weeks of my life right bef- you know, before we came out, so these are relatively current events uh, first the men, then the women uh, I, I should give you a little bit more background to this case study uh, a little a little, little bit more clarity because because actually the case study isn't true the what, what happened was this. It, 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 and, and it probably makes sense to you that this isn't true. Because no guy is going to talk about these things. What, what happened was was I, I got a call one day. It was from his wife. And I, I, you know, They're friends and all. And, and his wife said, well, she started off this way. My husband does not want me to talk to you. But he begrudgingly gave me sort of permission to talk. And... And I, rather than say oh, I don't know if you should talk, I know them fairly well. So yeah, whatever, go ahead. If if you end up having a big quarrel about it, so be it. You'll be able to deal with it. Uh, and and this is the story she told. Uh, and and the, you know, the the crux of the story is 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 is, is this, this friend of mine actually was instrumental in his neighbor's conversion. So so he, he, he it was he really cared about this neighbor and. The neighbor tends to be sort of this quiet, reserved uh, tend, tends, uh, person who tends to isolate himself, and and so I don't think my my friend noticed the growing animosity, and and it just came out this one particular day: get off of my property and essentially never talk to me again. He was just he was undone by this, and it was his wife who talked to this other man's wife. Tried, got, got some sense indeed that the man was angry. the wife thought it had to do something with the tree that they shared together and 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 my friend gave most of the money to the arborist to to trim the tree. This other man, since it was on his property, gave some of the money as well and this man apparently was not pleased with the way the tree was cut and rather than being angry with the arborist, he was angry with with this friend who who paid a lot more money and and um, Bore the brunt. So the wife tells me the story. What are you going to do? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what I did. Uh, and I don't know what else I could do. The next time I saw him, I had to raise this issue. Because he knows that his wife told me. <laughs> I know that his wife told me. And so I say, hey, your wife told me what happened. Let me, let me tell you what I'm thinking. Because there's some things on my heart. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, yeah this is this. Is, I I know you, and and how you love this neighbor, and 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 you're instrumental in his conversion. And here's this guy who lives ten feet from you, and it's it and he's now an enemy. He has declared you an enemy. Oh, that is oh, that is so hard. And and I know you well enough to know that 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 even though you did nothing to provoke it, you still feel the weight of it, and 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 and. and and, and you bear this grief. What am I doing? I'm not, I'm not even asking him to go farther in. I'm telling him what's farther in. <laughs> what's, what's farther in, how are you doing? This is really hard. This is really hard. The second thing, his wife read the letter that he wrote. And the letter, essentially, it, it, it was trying to reach out. It was humble it was, it, it was, it was, it was and apologetic. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was asking for, for communication with this man. And then it gave him back all his money with a significant amount of interest. Which, which certainly, the, the job was done. and It was job done well. Here's just a cranky old guy. Nothing is going to please this fellow. But he gave him money back with a substantial amount of interest. What do you see? What do you see? You see farther in? You see, you see not just the, 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 the emotions of, somebody li- of somebody's life. You see the moral direction of their life. You see something of Christ in this person's life. When in doubt, in, our, in, in, in the way we care for one another in wise conversations, in these kinds of situations, you say less rather than more, typically. Uh, when you don't know, you don't, don't, uh, that's, one, that's one thing that guides us. Another would be, when in doubt, we want to see the good. And... And so we see the good in this particular man. And, and you say, I just want you to know that you are, you are an inspiration to me. Where instead of cutting this man off and saying he's this hopeless curmudgeonly cause, you I see Christ in you. What is it? The, the pursuing Christ. <laughs> who, who won't take no for an answer. Won't take somebody turning away from him for an answer and pursues and pursues and pursues. And when you catch that, it's glorious. One of the reasons that, that, that the personal ministry has an edge over preaching and teaching is in personal ministry, you get to see these details in somebody's life. And see, if you're preaching, you don't know that that's what happened this week. <laughs> and you, you've missed the opportunity to, to witness, witness this kind of glory. And that's the end of the story. Um, and, but then it continues. How are you doing? I, I know you have this struggle with your neighbor. How's it going? You've been on my heart. Been been praying for you. Any conversations over the past week? You see it, it's you see how how somehow our relationship has changed. Where the next time I am guessing his wife is not going to say, Can I call Ed? He's actually going to call me himself. <laughs> because we've 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 gone farther in with each other. Because he knows that he is on my heart right now. And, and, and I guess there's a certain kind of humility that admires the good things in another person. And he knows that not only do I know this story, but I think this is a, an immensely cool story that, that, that shows great maturity and wisdom in another man, and I like it. I want, I, I want to be like that when I grow up. That's the end of the story. It's pretty simple, isn't it? It's just you know, it doesn't take any particular... And unique skills. It's just, just seeing a person accurately, being moved, being personal, to, to be affected by the hardness of his life and the, the goodness of his soul. And off we go. The woman. If, if she indeed speaks to you, I, I imagine here is going to be the first thing. Thank you. Thank you. Because she it, it's it's easy to to say I got a new job. It's that doesn't it, it, it it's not revealing. There's nothing there's nothing that that, that, that shares certain treasures of our heart in that situation. But to speak of things like this, to speak of, 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 of matters of her soul and, and, and what she's doing is she's she's taking you to the farther reaches of her soul and she's saying Help me to discern right from wrong. That's what she's saying. And in in asking that question, in asking that request, she is she is asking for arguably one of the most important things that God could give us. Discern what did what did Solomon say? Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. And the Lord says that's a very fine thing to ask. Then our question is, Well, what is this wisdom? Well, it's, it's actually defined in the text. Give me a heart that can discern the difference between right and wrong so there's not this muddled middle where I'm uh, just sort of wandering around. This woman is asking for great clarity. What is right with this employer? What is wrong with this employer? And by the way, uh, I think he gets me. I don't know if you have that expression. I'm, I'm, that, that means he understands me. I, uh, this man understands me. Uh, he doesn't grab me or something like that. Uh, as I was reading that, I said that could be. I don't. Know, that could be. Um, that you would say something different uh, if if that was going on. Um, so thank you. You say to her, "Thank you." And and since she is getting right to the heart of things and saying, pray for discernment in my heart. Pray for discernment that I would be able to see right for wrong. What do you say? You say, you are amazing. You are absolutely amazing to, to pray according to, to, to the very word of God and to ask for those very best of things. And can you see how the body of Christ begins to change? I suspect it, 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 it provokes you to thinking, and where is that muddled middle in my own life? Where do my own imaginations sort of say Well, I'm, I'm not doing anything sexual with this other person but wouldn't it be nice to just have a conversation? Uh, to, you know, to the, uh, I can remember reading uh, some statistics from the internet a little while ago. Uh, the number one sites men tend to hit are pornographic sites. The number one sites that women tend to hit are sort of romance story. And it's, there's that muddled middle. Uh, it's Hmm, wouldn't it be nice if, if he was more my knight in shining armor, if he showed the kind of attention that this person in this story shows? You, you, see, you see how this simple neediness, this simple request, it has this ripple effect through the body of Christ. Thank you so much. You are amazing. You are utterly amazing. How can I pray for you? Well, you don't even you have to ask that. What do you do? You find yourself doing this. Let me pray for us that we would be discerning of soul in in these, especially in the sexual arena, because that is where the ambiguities are especially apparent in our culture today, and I guess our culture ever <laughs> throughout human history. That's where the ambiguities could lie. Because what 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 is it? it? It's okay. That's sin. That's not. But the closer we get to it, it's what what's the nature of sin? We like the things that are deadly. <laughs> and we don't, even dis- we don't even discern that they're deadly. It's all of a sudden what, 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 what we perhaps from a distance saw is death. The closer we come to it, it looks a little bit more like life than we once, we once thought. To, to pray for that kind of discernment. One other thing that, that you might mention with her is, is what are you going to do with your husband? What do you, and by the way, humility, it doesn't say, and this is what you should do with your husband, because the scripture doesn't say, thou shalt speak these things to your husband, but the scripture does seem to give a certain amount of guidance. And, and so the question is, what does it mean to love your husband in this situation? Or more specifically, do you, have you thought about speaking to your husband about this? It's a question. It's, it's one application of, of love and wisdom. There might be all kinds of other applications to it. But you float that question, and she's a wise woman, she's she's already been ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, I, I I've thought about that, and and I do want to speak to my husband. And here's a husband who really doesn't wants to be left alone. He he doesn't want to hear what's going on in his wife. L- wife, it's the, these two independent people, even though it's been a grief to his wife. And that's what she does. She goes and she shares these things to her husband, and. He gets it. (laughs) He understands it. Here is a wife who is sharing the farther reaches of her heart with her husband. She's not talking about who's going to pick up the kids today, (laughs) Uh, who's going to take care of the leaky faucet. Uh, Not that those things are wrong, but they're, they're they're the superficial details of life. She's going farther in. She's sharing her own soul with her husband and saying, here's what I've been thinking. I want to protect my heart in my relationship with my boss. And, and I, I, I don't want to go anywhere near a boundary of a flirtation. And I, I, I want clarity on such things. Would you pray for me? And, and he did for the first time ever in his entire life, uh, publicly. He, he prayed for the soul of his wife. And, and I am guessing he saw two things. I know he saw one thing. He saw a wife who is very committed to him because of Christ. I want to protect the boundaries of our relationship. There's something very, very attractive about that. The other is, I am fairly certain that he also saw how she, she was the better person, where she was concerned, where, where she was living with this, this, this deep concern to protect the boundaries of her relationship. Meanwhile, he was not as interested. In protecting the boundaries of their relationship, he was interested in protecting the boundaries of his own interests, but not in the interest of the two of them together. Isn't it simple stuff? Isn't it? It's it's, you have her on your heart. Next time you see her, how are you doing? (laughs) Now I've been thinking about what you said, and it's it's extraordinary, isn't it? In fact, as I've been reading through Scripture, this. This thing, knowing the difference between right and wrong and having crystal clarity, this is like a really big deal. This is like on the heart of god <laughs> it 's not like a you know, nice little thing this is This is God himself just just working life in you, and it 's got me thinking and, and where are the places where I want to have the same kind of discernment. Thank you so much let 's pray and, and in fact here 's a friend let's let 's bring her in let, it's, This is too important to keep to ourselves let's let 's ask other people. It's there. It is. It's just ordinary, weak people, needy people. The only thing that happened with her is she. She said she was needy to another person, <laughs> and what does it do? It it it, 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 like opens up these spiritual realities. Can't help to see something in our own hearts. Can't help but invite people in, to to seeing these beauties as well. And yeah, maybe if I come back again, then I can. I can let you know where it went, but that's, that's, that's where it is now. So.
0: Thanks, Ed. Um, I just want to take a few moments before lunch uh, to introduce you to the, to the Ministry of Biblical Counseling Australia. Uh, I uh, trained at a Bible college 11 years ago. Uh, I was trained as a preacher. Uh, I was trained to exegete the text well and, and do some application. And I got out into ministry and I worked really hard at those things. I thought, oh, I'm just going to preach the house down as, as well as I can. Um, and then after about three years into ministry, I call it my honeymoon period, n- nothing really went that wrong. But after three years, um, two of my youth leaders, their, their marriage imploded before my eyes. And all of a sudden, uh, I felt like I knew how to preach. I knew how to execute a text but when I was dealing with this, with this right up close, with this severe brokenness, uh, when I slept the night with the guy his wife had left him, when I slept the night with him and he was just in tears, crying, I just felt, um, I just felt like in those moments I needed to have some wisdom. I needed, I needed to be equipped to move towards him in love. And I felt like I didn't have a clue. And so it was at that point I thought, I need, I need to do some training this. I need to find out someone who's, who's done some thinking on this, on how we can actually take the beauty of the gospel, which we all love, and apply it to the, to the hardest of our realities in people's lives. And so it was at that point I encountered what's called the, the biblical counseling or the biblical counseling movement, uh, a group of people worldwide who are taking the riches of God's word and applying it to the details of people's lives. And so over the last uh, seven years, I have connected with people right across Australia, um, probably about 500 people across Australia in 250 churches, and, and they're all, like me, uh, wanting to grow in their capacity to minister God's word, uh, which, which is a really exciting movement to be a part of. And so as of March this year, we, we formed, we said, we've got to get this thing legal uh, because, you know, after a while you can't just be this organic group of people in relationship. Uh, you've got to get legal. So we got legal in March and we became an incorporated association uh, with four directors, myself, Peter Sondergeld, uh, a man down from Victoria named Dr. Carl Hood, uh, and another man named Neil Castle, who's the executive pastor of City and the Hill Church down there. Uh, and then this year we launched our first kind of foray into events, workshops, trainings with the side-by-side conferences, and it's been, it's been a tremendous success. Um, what we've seen is that there is a massive hunger in our churches for this sort of thing. And, and so we've had 600 people across the three events, uh, 250 churches come along. And um, and it's made us continue to think that we're on to something here. Uh, there's a real need here. And so our vision is, um, and it's going to be up on the screen, Pete's going to help me out. Our vision is... Uh, to raise up and train a generation of australian lay people leaders pastors and parachurch counselors who are passionate about seeing jesus transform his church through the personal ministry of god's spirit-empowered word and prayer Uh, we want to we want to raise up and train people to walk side by side with each other now obviously that's a training goal Um, And so what are we going to do? Are we going to set up the Biblical Counselling Australia Institute or, or, you know, what what are we going to do? Uh, We're not. We're not going to reinvent the wheel on training. Um, We've been so blessed in our country with so many training institutions and opportunities for training. And so as we thought about it, we've seen that there's six kind of key areas that we want to develop over the next six years. Uh, The first one is to partner with theological colleges to provide Australian-based biblical counselling training. Uh, at the moment, you've got some incredible courses you can do through CCF, uh, but we'd like to see how those courses and how that teaching uh, can be brought into the Australian context in a greater way, and we think we have some great colleges, both QTC here in Brisbane, Christ College down in Sydney, and PTC down in Victoria, who are all interested at this stage at developing biblical counselling at their colleges. So we'd like to see that continue to develop. Uh, number two, we'd like Australian-authored small group materials for training lay laypeople uh, and, and leaders in local churches Uh, We just, we want to start writing things. We want to see materials in churches that are going to see people walking side by side with each other. Uh, Number three, we we want to run a variety of training conferences and workshops aimed at equipping everyone from lay people through to full-time counsellors. So this is our first chance to run some workshops. Uh, Next year, me and Pete the other night were in the same room in two separate beds um, to, to... Talking to 11.30 at night when we should have been sleeping um, and just dreaming and talking about what we could do next year and all the ideas that we could had for next year. So that's exciting. Uh, number three, uh, we want to... Uh, sorry, number four, uh, we want to recognise uh, biblical counsellor training pathway and supervisory system. Uh, you might have noticed in the vision it talks about parachurch counsellor. Uh, our aim is to not uh, seek to try and raise up a whole bunch of professional counsellors Uh, but we want to first focus on the church and see the church become that that community that works side by side and our hope is over time that people are raised up with the skills and the characteristics that can actually function to support the church, Uh, both training people in the church as well as taking the the people who have significant struggles in their life in counselling. Number five, a website with articles and links to a growing number of resources out there. Number six, a scholarship fund for people wanting to pursue research projects in biblical counselling. Uh, we want to push this movement forward. And part of that will be developing research uh, that can actually create, uh, give some momentum to the movement. And so as we think about those six things, uh, we realise that it's a task that's way beyond us. It can't, it's not me, it's not four guys that can pull that off. And so I want to ask you now whether you would support us, uh, whether in a sense you would join us, whether you'd be a part of this movement. That's seeing. That's actually. uh, That's a real need in our churches. And so, three key ways. Firstly, we'd ask that you'd pray for us. Uh, You'd pray for wisdom. You'd pray for God's blessing. You'd pray that a new generation of people would be raised up, who are passionate about this. Number two, we pray that you would help us. Um, One of the beauties of all the people I've chatted to across Australia who are interested in this stuff. In, is that they come from different dominations, they come from different cultures, different uh, backgrounds, they come at biblical counselling from different angles. A- and so I think together there's, there's enough resources in the movement to see this go forward. So the next is how can you help? And number three, uh, will you think about financially supporting us? And so we became a registered not-for-profit, we can take your money legally now, um, which is a good thing. Uh, we're accountable for it. Um, and so what we're thinking is uh, to... to Push this movement forward. We actually need resources. Um, I'm stretched, uh, absolutely stretched. That's why I was tired. You know, the lady thought I was tired and discouraged. Um, I need some admin support, some event management support. Uh, and so if you could consider financially giving, um, that would really bless the movement as well. And so that's praying, helping and giving. And that is Biblical Counselling Australia. It's an exciting movement to be part of. I love working with Pete. He's a legend. Um, and we pray that you would be a part of this as well uh, we are going to uh, break for lunch now if you have parked down the bottom uh, and you have parked someone in uh, then we need to know your details, uh, your phone number, so if we need to move your car we can ring you to move your car so, where's, is Taylor here? no is she outside? no come and see me if you have parked someone in I can say Liz. Come and see Liz uh, down the front if you have parked someone in down the car park so we can get your mobile phone number. Uh, Before we have lunch, I'm going to pray. So instructions for lunch, just go down to where you had morning tea and we've got some beautiful subway sandwiches. Okay, I'm going to pray. We're going to have morning tea. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the reminder yet again, not that we need another one, but that, that we are needy, we need you, and we need your grace every day. Uh, Father, thank you that, that you provide for our needs. Thank you for the food we're about to eat, but thank you most of all for the greatest provision of your Son. And um, Father, we pray that you would sustain us by that food as you sustain us by your grace every day, uh, that, we might, that we might sustain others, that we might move towards others in love and seek to love them well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.